Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Four. Hey there, friends of failure, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I am here with Russ Johns. Russ, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on the show, Ben. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to talk to you because I know you've uh, I've seen a bunch of you around here and there and everywhere. Um, <laughs> it's mostly lives, but I guess they replay now. So it's like it's the word loses its meaning a little bit sometimes. But and this yeah. is even kind of live in the moment, but also not necessarily when people hear it. So, um, you know, we're kind of bending space time and all that jazz in uh, these worlds, it seems. But I've seen you all over the place. It seems like um, you are not only embracing the uh, going live lifestyle, but you're also encouraging others to do it. Is that what you would uh, say is your kind of mission at the moment or? Absolutely. I, uh, I've been, I got in the podcasting world uh, over a decade ago and taught podcasting, live streaming, content creation over the last decade. And one of the things that I truly believe in is that we all have a gift. We all have a message. We all have something that we can share. And for myself, and I encourage others to consider it is if you can go live and then convert that into a podcast and turn, convert that into a transcription and additional content, then it, then it can appear that you, you are showing up in a number of different places in a number of different ways, using words, images, audio, and video, and that allows you to actually uh, you know, sit down, go live, and then continue to create content after you're done. Yeah, I think I was reading something on LinkedIn earlier from Travis. I'm not going to say his last name because I'll butcher it. But uh, true. yes, exactly. So he was saying, what well, it was like 150 pieces. It, it was repurposed, first of all. And second of all, and he made a big deal about that by calling it out because it's something we should do. I always forget about it myself. And then uh, saying he got like 150 pieces of um content basically from yeah i forget if it was four hour long or 30 minute thing i forget what it was but right. uh that's how much i pay attention when i'm actually when i'm reading <laughs> stuff but uh but he can get you can take that stuff make it into to your point uh like little graphics or text-based things or whatever chop things mm -hmm. up see what works and what doesn't i forget that all the time i just see it's like the whole thing or nothing and i don't think through oh all the little nuggets you can like extract and use in different ways. Cause I'm always like, Oh, I'm on the next thing. So yeah. it's, it's a good reminder. Um, and one thing I like to do at the beginning of the show is, is to allow the guests to pump themselves up before we kind of deflate them. So you want to brag a bit about like what you've accomplished in your career or any, any highlights that you want to mention before we talk about more low lights? Absolutely. Uh, you know, most recently, uh, you know, the, I've been on the pirate broadcast, which is, has been known for uh, doing a 7 a.m. show Pacific standard time or Arizona time as it's, uh, as it's, you know, Arizona doesn't have uh, daylight savings. So sometimes I'm in mountain standard and sometimes I'm in Pacific. The, the reality is, is I've produced over uh, 500 episodes of the pirate broadcast and I went live. I was doing live streams before LinkedIn even had live streams. 
And so a ton of content there, interviewing interesting people, doing interesting things. And through that process, I've developed systems and solutions and workflows that I can actually share and train and teach other producers how to produce shows. Uh, so I do that over at the Pirate Syndicate, which is a membership site where you can actually join in and learn how to do it, learn how to teach your team how to do it or have it done for you. And that's that's really my core focus right now. And that's from a history of being in advertising for decades and technology for decades. And I've been in the corporate world. I've been a farmer and a firefighter and, and uh, a number of different things in between. So the reality is, is the range of experience that we have is, is kind of where um, what we bring to the table every day. And, and I just love helping more people help more people because I believe that kindness is cool and smiles are free. And we, we all need to uh, contribute back something to the world. And I think it's uh, an easy way to do that is through live streaming and content creation. I like that. And also I like how you're kind of using the, I don't know if it's exponential factor or logarithmic, who the hell knows where you help other people and they help even more people. So you kind of get to expand yeah. the impact you're having by impacting the impactors, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Was there anything when you got started? I don't know. So I'll say my not great advice as to how to go live or how to do this thing, which is grow a beard. That's what it was for me before I, two years ago, before the pandemic, I didn't know I could grow a beard. Once I grew a beard, I was like, oh, this is amazing. It's like a little shield that you can hide behind even when you're on video. Not everybody can grow it or take the time to try it out. But I'd say no matter who you are, it's worth a shot. And you've got a beard. So I think you're at least partially on board. Uh, is there something that helped you when you were starting out to like get past your own anxieties or whatever it is? So you're not always hyper aware of being on camera, so to speak, or, or a piece of advice that you'd give to someone else who's struggling with that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Ben, the biggest piece of advice I can share, and I share this with clients all the time, is just start. Everybody's very critical of themselves. Nobody likes their voice when they first hear it recorded. Nobody likes themselves on camera, typically. And the reality is, is that we're all at a different level of feeling the same way. And the way you get past that is to rinse and repeat. You get on, you'd show up, you do the work, you, you, you share your information and you continue to, to share your information. After a little while, it gets more comfortable. You're not thinking about it. You're thinking about what's the value I'm adding to the community? What value am I delivering to, to my, uh, to my audience and how can I help more people? And that's, that's the philosophy I live with it. And, and one of the things that I have that probably is an advantage for me is I started playing music professionally when I was 16 and I, you know, I was always on stage playing music as a drummer and that allowed me the opportunity to, you know, have to get up in place and, and have to show up and how to have to be seen. So, Live for me wasn't as challenging in that respect. Mm -hmm. However, just learning the technology and, and being comfortable with it and, and knowing what to do and how to just relax and, and be here and show up is, is really an ongoing effort. Yeah, I like that because a lot of times I've heard that um, human beings aren't always the best at creating something from nothing. 
So if you create anything, you can then refine it. We're really good at criticizing things. So make anything and then criticize it into something better. Seems to be a better uh, move than not making anything at all because you're waiting to start. If you just start at, to your point, uh, you know, and I think it was, I, I always attribute it to Rivers Cuomo from Weezer. I don't know if he said it was right for the trash can. Was, who some Somebody said it. Who the hell knows who it is? I keep giving him credit. So it's eventually going to be just true because <laughs> I'll have said it enough. But uh, but he wrote like hundreds of songs and then he'd only have, you know, whatever's on the CD's worth. But uh, we're really good at, at going, I don't like this or I do like this once something exists. But when there's nothing there, it's hard to uh, to just put something down that's not perfect, you know, yeah. at least at first. Well, and the interesting thing about that, and I love that idea, is after you start creating, after you get started, you know, that blank slate, that empty page or whatever media you're using, uh, once you start and you practice, it refines your ideas, it refines your process, it refines your, your the way your conversations develop and flow because you're actually having to think through those thoughts and articulate those in a, in a way that actually uh, allows you to communicate that to the audience. And so the more you do that, whether it's writing songs, whether it's writing music or it's podcasting or live streaming or uh, writing a blog post, you, you have to get into a place where you can actually articulate some ideas in a concrete way. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Yeah, I know. I've uh, frequently said a story a couple of times. And I noticed that the person's not getting it. And I'm like, OK, well, I really got to tweak that because if I'm going to keep saying it, it's not good. Clearly, I can make it better or or scrap it because, you know, to your point, like a lot of it is figuring out what works, figuring out what doesn't. A lot of times if you're just shooting from the hip kind of thing, you're going to come up with some weird things that you say that might stick, might not. But a lot of times that's kind of where some of the weirdly beautiful things that you might not have thought to say would come about. And if you're trying to be all polished and everything's from a script, you're never going to get that kind of stuff. Yeah. I worked with an engineer once that uh, he used to start, he was writing down all of the Russisms that I say, you know, because I've always been pretty positive individual and I come up with these quirky little sayings. And he'd start writing them down. He says, I'm going to make you a calendar one day with all these Russisms on them. It's like, okay, I would love that. That would be, that would be pretty cool, actually. So uh, you probably could by now with all the content you made. I'm sure somebody could go out and, and yeah. what do you need? 365. That's it. Just a helpful year's worth. Oh, well, I've had. Uh, I mean, uh, to make a calendar. Yeah. To make a calendar. Russisms, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I'd only need 365. Yeah. You do another year. I'm sure there's plenty of. I'm sure there's yeah. gold there. Is there is there one or two that you want to drop on the listeners right now that that stick out to you as being calendar worthy? Yeah. Well, w one of the things that I always say is, you know, hashtag smiles are free and kindness is cool, uh, and that really means something to me because I've said it for years, I've said it for decades, and and it and it's a reflection on how I choose to live, uh, and so it's it's a lifestyle. It's, it's a thought process. It's like, wake up with gratitude, appreciate what you have and, 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 you know, make, make somebody smile today, you know, say yeah. hello, say, thank you, please, you know, just be courteous and, and, and be a, you know, regular human and uh, just appreciate what you have. So 
that's that's one of the things that I think uh, really sticks in my mind, my, my mind for sharing out with people. Yeah. Um, and I was listening to something of yours earlier and you were talking about how, I mean, it's not you weren't the first one to say, it, but uh, how every day is a gift. And on my dog walking that I did just before uh, we got on here, I was trying to give into that and do a little bit of that. So I appreciate you putting that out there because it, it positively impacted me today. And isn't it cool that like you don't know, but all the weird things you've said over the years are hitting people randomly here and there. And then sometimes live in person. Well, I just saw you the other day on on LinkedIn Live um, yeah. and I've only done one, I think uh maybe two no i've done two gabby pulled me up for my first one ever and he i know he loves you he's saying that he wouldn't be where he is without you but um and i guess i wouldn't have done one without him so i credit you with that i guess <laughs> my first help, one help but, more uh, people help more people <laughs> exactly yeah uh but i even have these tools that i have lifetime access to that i can use like restream i bought it on AppSumo forever ago so i have like the lifetime version of it but i don't go live so mm. Although I don't have a problem going live, I'm like, sometimes I'm like, well, why would I go? Why I got nothing. How much preparation should you do? I guess it would it would be a good question. Do you think just just going live is the move, or should it be intentional in some sense? It depends on the content you're looking to share. Uh, you know, I did I did almost 600 episodes of the Pirate Broadcast, back to back, five days a week, nonstop. Even when I broke my hip, I still went live. You know, the day, uh, you know, my dad was, his his funeral was taking place. I went live. Mm -hmm. And most of my live streams were, uh, many times I had never met the guest. I had never prepped for, or had any awareness of what they, who they were more or less. Mm -hmm. And, the reality was, is I wanted the fresh information to be able to, to discover and be curious about what they were doing, why they did what they did, how they got where they were, and what was their journey like, because it was interesting interviewing interesting people doing interesting things. And that was the theme. Mm -hmm. so, so I wanted, you know, non-traditional questions. And so on the fly is that's how I that's how I just structured the show. So sit down, go live and just, you know, 30 minutes of process and in and out and I was done. And then the producer would take that content and create a post and create a transcription and create a, you know, all this micro content that mm -hmm. uh, Travis was mentioning. And, uh, you know, so the actual interview though was 30 minutes of curiosity and conversation. So that's my method. I don't know if I'm justifying being lazy. I feel like I'm doing that a lot when I'm like, oh, I don't prep because my listener doesn't know you or something like that or whatever it is. And sometimes I'll just skim the questionnaire that I make people fill out. I don't even read that. I'm, but I'm, I'm confused internally whether I'm justifying laziness or actually being what you're saying, keeping it fresh. That's what I tell myself mm -hmm. because I feel like if I had listened to like five different podcasts they've been on, I'll know all the things they touch on. I'll be either biased to talk about them or avoid them. Whereas if I just stay open-minded and don't know, and quite literally, and the pump up thing, I'm trying to hope they tell me what they do because I don't know. And then that way I can go down any path and I'm not necessarily going to go down whatever the thing they want me to talk about is. But 
I sometimes feel like I'm just fine. Well, this whole thing it makes no sense. I mean, this is a distraction from a thing that I'm trying that makes me money. So meaning like, I guess I don't really have to justify it anyways, is what I've just come to the realization of, because who cares? It's nice that you have, at least when I say you, I mean me, uh, have a platform where you can put whatever you want out. And I know you've had, you know, podcasting efforts as well. You're a little bit more on the how-to side, right? When you've done podcasting, hosting, is that right? Oh yeah. I, and I produce shows for other people as well. So. But you did podcasting made easy, right? I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, years ago I did the simple, easiest way to start a podcast. And, uh, you know, that's probably that, that's a YouTube video out there probably from 2013. I don't know. Uh, Do you still have that same advice? Meaning I, I agree besides like a pen paper writing a book, there's really not a lower barrier to entry kind of a thing than podcasting, but no, there's so many out there. I still would say people should do it, but do you say that as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, uh, I would take it one step further and say, there are no rules to this. And, and I grew up in advertising from way back broadcasting. And, you know, one of the reasons I use the pirate, the pirate flag or the pirate mm -hmm. motif is that in traditional radio, you had to have a license. You had to have, uh, you know, permission to broadcast. And if you didn't, you were considered a pirate broadcaster. So the reality is, is with the internet and the, the technology that we have today, we can all broadcast. So if you think outside the box, you're all a little bit of a pirate. So join the pirate crew, you know, and, and, and get involved in this idea of sharing your voice, sharing your message, sharing your ideas, because it lives on. And you know, like you went back and you listened to a few pieces of information that I shared previously, and you get to know a little bit about an individual and you start the process of connecting and uh, building relationships and building uh, communities around those ideas. And it's nice to be able to have somebody that you know, you know, it's like the old adage, I know a guy that knows a guy, right? Mm -hmm. And and so if you can learn a little bit about an, an individual and help them out and they help you out, it all works out. Yeah, I like it because even if you even if five people listen to it, who cares, whatever yeah. it is, you'd still benefit from a little bit of public speaking, so to speak, so to say, whatever, whatever yeah. the hell I'm trying to say, you benefit from the the act of doing the thing, even if. Because you can't control the result. You can't control how many people listen to it necessarily. But I think even just getting outside of your comfort zone and doing something like that, even if it goes nowhere, is still beneficial in terms of like exploring some of who you are and what is important to you kind of stuff. Yeah. And as you know, you know, nothing expands your ideas and your, your thought process more than stepping outside your comfort zone. And if you choose to share information or you choose to share your ideas and you expand on those ideas and you start articulating them, people are going to show up that resonate with those ideas and those thoughts. And a lot of podcasters, they get frustrated because they don't see immediate, you know, they compare themselves to somebody that has you know, a thousand downloads or 10,000 or a hundred or a million downloads. They say, mm -hmm. well, nobody's listening to my show. Why, why would I want to do this? You do it for the exercise of ideas and sharing information and connecting with the one individual that you might help. For a long time, I used to do um, two-minute tips. 
in 10 minutes or less. I saw that. Yeah. And the reality was, is I added the 10 minutes or less after somebody says, Hey, these ideas are longer than, <laughs> you know, ten, two minutes. These are longer than two minutes. It's like, okay, I'll make it in less than 10 minutes or less. The idea though, was I would take a quote, an idea, a thought mm-hmm. every day and at night before I would shut down, I would just record a live. This was before LinkedIn live took place and I would upload it and I would just share this idea and hear my thoughts about this quote and, uh, you know, expand on it. And, and a lot of people uh, seemed to appreciate it and more and more people showed up. And then when I got live, I transferred that, that exercise or that effort into a live stream. So, you know, one builds onto the next and that's, you know, you will always take our experience with us. So that's, that's something to, you know, think about. It's like, you don't, you don't end uh, uh, any kind of a task without continuing taking the experience forward. So you can end the task, but you still have the experience with you. So grow with it, expand it, tweak it, understand what it is for you and, and uh, just you leverage it to your advantage, whatever that looks like for you. The one I listened to earlier was the unexamined life is not worth living. I believe was it the Socrates one that I watched uh, of it. And I'd like that you had the 10 minutes or less thing underneath. And it's funny because the guy complained, but he gave you more time. He didn't realize in that complaint because meaning (laughs) then you had up to 10 minutes, which is even better. Um, But what you were saying about the downloads is right. A lot of people give up on podcasts. I think, I don't know if these numbers are right, but I've heard there's like 3 million podcasts, but only like 500,000 ish active podcasts. Cause a lot of people either, yeah. uh, it, it runs its course or people give up because of the, uh, the metrics. And I remember one year after my first episode was released, I was still getting one download a day. And I was like, come on. You know, because the, me- the metrics are bad. I mean, when you try to see what it takes to get into the top 50% or whatever, I mean, it's they're low. Yeah. So if you're expecting TikTok numbers or YouTube numbers and you go into it and you're like, well, there's that one, <laughs> who knows, one person, maybe like it's like a two person conversation, me and another person. But eventually you figure out what you're doing and something clicks. And then they went from one to like whatever, 150, yeah. 200, and, and then it builds on itself. But I think the, important thing I realize is that to focus on what you can control. Yeah. I can focus on how many episodes I release. I can't always count on who's going to listen to it. So why have the goal be X number of downloads when it should be X number of episodes released or something else that I can be in control of so that hopefully those other metrics result from it, but you're focusing on something that you can actually control. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Is that I totally I totally agree with that. And the beauty of it is, uh, Ben, when you think about all of the past episodes, you can continue to reshare those episodes out. Because as you know, social media, you know, we got about the you know the attention span of a <laughs> well, it's less than a goldfish now. You know, you're scrolling through. IG or shorts or reels or whatever you're scrolling through. And unless something really grabs you or something you notice over and over again, repeatedly, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to pay attention to it. And that's, that's the, that's the challenging side of podcasting is that people have to be able to find you through all of the other, uh, you know, three episode versions of the podcast or five or seven or whatever it happens to be. But the top, 
podcasting environment, you know, it's, it's, it's very sparse in terms of overall numbers of podcasts. And they do that by showing up. They do that by sharing again and, and, you know, broadcasting that and amplifying that across multiple uh, social medias. And, you know, they do the work and they do the hustle and they put it out there over and over again. And eventually that, you know, people build on that. Yeah. I got to really, so episode six, I'm at episode 63 released when people hear this, this won't be the case, but you know, that's how it always is. Whenever I talk about the podcast, uh, episode 60, I think was the first one where I actually released the full video of it. And mm-hmm. then I've been doing that for the last three, but I've got 60 episodes previously that I have all the video. I just don't do anything with it. I've like got the full, I had Carol Baskin on the podcast. So I've got the full episode of her. I haven't done like anything except for two reels that were like 15 seconds each or something. Yeah, I got to go reuse that. All I'm doing is putting more stuff on my plate to do in the future. Cause I get bored with the stuff I've already done, but I got to realize that other people fundamentally didn't see it and also weren't bored, never got a chance to be bored by me or whatever the thing is <laughs> because, and just cause I, it's old hat to me or whatever. It's something that I know that I did doesn't mean that it's not worth trying to repurpose in many different ways. Cause I don't even try multiple, I don't even try one, but I don't, besides maybe the audio, yeah. but I have so many different options for what I can do with it. And I don't do much with it. What would you, what do you think is a, a good way to use old content and not just for me, but for anybody who's, who's got stuff that they're like, oh, I'm sitting on all this stuff that I haven't really used. Are there some tips you could give as to how to maybe think about repurposing some of that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are a lot of tools out there right now that are very simple to use or, you know, easy to access, I, I should say. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I use right now is, is Descript. Mm-hmm. And with Descript is really elegant because you can actually take and edit with the text. It's like working in a Word document. So you can delete words, you can sh- uh, separate paragraphs out and create a video piece of content that then you can do subtitles on and you can actually add some elements like a wave file and and then you could just use that in reels or shorts or uh you know m- minor content uh, micro content that you can actually use to head allow people to go back to that episode and listen to that episode so it's basically all of your previously recorded content can actually be refreshed because like you said you didn't get the chance to you know, have somebody experience that information. It's valuable information to somebody. Mm-hmm. And because of the noise and the volume of information going through the social feeds now, it's it's completely acceptable for you to take snapshots of that and say, here's an idea that was left in this podcast. If you want to watch the whole thing, go here. And, yeah. and just complete that cycle. The challenge we have is time. You know, mm-hmm. it does take time. It does take effort. And the reality is, is that, um, you know, you could hold up your phone and say, Hey, I got 60 podcast episodes here. This is where you could find them. Go subscribe. Um, the problem with subscriptions though, is it doesn't, unless somebody goes and binge watches or listens to your live stream or your podcast, it, they're never going to get a reminder of that. So you have yeah. to create that reminder. You have to put it in front of people. You have to be able to share that information over and over again. And that's how you build 
you know, it's amplification of visibility. So mm -hmm. that visibility is increased over time and uh, showing up as part of that process. And, uh, you know, uh, social pilot, I use social pilot. A lot of people use uh, different. Uh, I like eClincher is another platform. What is uh, social pilot and eClincher? So I've done, I've used a script. So I know, and just for anybody who's listening that does also automated AI transcription and a couple mm -hmm. other things, including removing filler words as an option some cool features but it still takes a lot of time you got to double check it because it's usually wrong a bunch of the time no matter what ai transcription i've found uh there's yeah. nothing no perfect one uh even like the youtube stock one or whatever you know it'll it'll mess things up uh what does a uh, social pilot do social pilot and eclincher are uh sharing applications where you can actually connect to your social media and you know, build a library of content that you can actually share on a schedule. So it's it's mm -hmm. it's it's just a platform for posting on your social media platforms. Gotcha. I've got a couple of those and I don't know. I, I get mixed advice on whether or not they ding you for using things like that on different things. So I, I used to use it yeah. to multi post to everything. Now, I basically since I stopped, I only post like one or two things. So a it doesn't make sense to reserve the the space if I'm not using it. I mean, I should probably just use it anyways, because if I'm posting nothing instead of that, that yeah. was better still. Um, okay, if a, a platform dings you, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I get a ding from that. However, I'm still resharing, mm -hmm. you know, one of my 60 episodes, right? Yeah, no, for it's like, sure. It, it's better than, it's better to say something than nothing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay. I mean, I'm just realizing now, like by stopping it, all I did was really narrow my focus of which things I shared. So I should probably look into doing more of that because it makes it so much yeah. easier to like get it out to the, because no one's looking at you on all the things. And if no. so, what are they doing? Why are they doing that? I barely even on Twitter, that. even on Twitter, the feed goes so fast. If, if you don't happen to see it or you're not mm -hmm. notified or tagged or, you know, something like that. No, nope. what, I, what I like is that it. It can be like a time capsule message from a former self of myself to myself of good info where I'm like, oh, man, that was I'm learning from myself because I forgot I said this thing or whatever it is. I'm like, that's good. I'm, it must be good if I think it's good. Yeah, that doesn't even make sense in terms of it being a fact checkable statement. But it does <laughs> mean that clearly I forgot I said it and it struck a chord with me again. So I might as well share it because it's something I clearly agree so, with so along that same lines ben because i'm, I'm kind of laughing because it's really a powerful tool if you want to remember something in the future that you have said or you wanted to comment mm -hmm. on or like a like in an episode you know share this episode um i i think i shared this with you earlier is uh there's a platform called project broadcast and i created the kindness crew with this project broadcast and and you can join it if you like and uh, it's a text app that I share uh, inspirational quote every day. And I share kindness of cool smiles are free. So you so wake that's up. That's the Russism's calendar. You do it. Yeah, that's the Russism's the calendar. <laughs> exactly. And so you can drop things in there mm -hmm. and then they show up in the future and you think, ah, I, I need to remember that. I need to reflect on that. That's something I need to do today. Yeah. It's an eco-friendly calendar. Yeah, yeah. exactly. People just tear it off and throw it away, right? <laughs> These can live on, but but it. So, do you find yourself having those moments too, where you're where you're like, "Oh, good job, Russ. That was a good one." Yeah. Did, 
you're like, I don't even remember saying that. Or yeah. even I'll have a whole interviews with people. And I'm like, I don't remember anything about this. And then, you know, you get into it, you're like, this is a really good one. Or this one's really not that great, but still it's interesting to like have that. And, and like you're saying, it's a good way to remind yourself of really anything. I mean, same with writing things down. Uh, you know, if you say you'll do something, there's some percentage chance. If you write it down, that percentage chance increases significantly because you put pen to paper and you, it's just, uh, I think the manual task of doing it just yeah. solidifies it a bit more. Recording it means you can always go back and watch it and read it. Yeah. Who knows if you find your notebook that you wrote the thing down in, but if you have something, I'm like a digital hoarder. So I love to just have tons of things, uh, whether it's, you know, um, old memories or, uh, you know, things I've recorded, things I've prepared, but it's, it's, it's amazing what nuggets you can derive from it or like old, weird, good ideas that you have that you just let fall by the wayside and you can pick back up and go, yeah. oh, well, here's a gift from my former self and I can yeah. decide whether I keep it or not. And sometimes it's, it's brilliant. Sometimes it's absolute trash, but I mean, <laughs> it's nice. Cause it's, you know, it's I like the, the time travel aspect of it almost. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I really appreciate that, that. Yeah that evidence that, Hey, I, I, you know, take a moment and appreciate the fact that I, I did something. I created something. I am able to do this. And sometimes when you're, you're down and you're, you know, we're thinking about failure or we're thinking about some of these things that we're not really excited about, or, you know, we're kind of down on ourselves about, it's like, you can look at that evidence as being, Hey, I, I am capable. I am available. I am doing this. And uh, this is just, you know, uh, like like they say, uh, failure is an event. It's not me. Yes. So so that's that's something we have to think about and reflect on because we can do something special. Yeah, and I like saying it's not a final destination, or at least it shouldn't be. You know, yeah. it's, it's really a costly lesson that you should hopefully be learning from. So you're reminding me that we haven't really talked about failures at all. So why don't we talk about any of your failures? Are there any uh, specific? No, we're not going to talk about fail. Our failures is not talking about failures today, Ben. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry. Uh, this week's the anti-failure show. <laughs> um, so I know you put uh, multiple things into the the questionnaire that I had you fill out. Is there anything that stands out to you as being a specifically difficult time that ended up being very fruitful in terms of what it taught you, but even if it was like difficult at the time. Yeah. There's, there's several things in my life and I'm here for a reason, I believe because multiple occasions in my life, I I've been very close to or near uh, not being here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, one that I, I share on, uh, on a regular basis is, uh, you know, falling three stories I tell people I fell three stories to get in advertising and uh, it was actually, uh, you know, a tragic circumstance and it was a, a challenging time in my life already. And uh, I had moved from, I was living in Utah at the time. Then I moved to Seattle and then I immediately moved to Portland. And I was actually, when I first got there, I spent the first uh, two or three weeks living in my truck. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where to go. I had a job. I went down there for a job and in the, in, at the time the economy was really in the toilet. There were not a lot of jobs available. 
I'm just so curious. I, sorry to interject. You immediately moved to Portland. What does that mean? You showed up in Seattle and they were like, get out of here. Or you're like, I can't do that. I'm immediately <laughs> moving out of here. Well, almost nearly. Okay. Uh, so I had moved from Utah because I no longer had a job there. And I, and I was married at the time. My, my ex was, uh, her family was in Washington. So she had moved up there earlier. We had animals, we had horses. Mm -hmm. She moved up there beforehand and got settled in the animals. I moved up there looking for a job. And the company I went to work for was a billboard company. It was, uh, they had billboards in Portland and Seattle and Boston and Miami around the country. Mm -hmm. And it, they own the Seattle Sonics and uh, radio and television broadcasting. So that's the tech space that I was in. And so I kept going down to the Seattle office and saying, hey, do you got a job? And the boss would say no. And I did that for nearly a week, probably two weeks. I just show up every day and say, hey, you got a job for me? And he, he would say no. And then finally he says, uh, yeah, I do have a job. It's in Portland. You start on Monday. <laughs> and so I said, OK, to get rid of you. Is that why he went to put you there or do you think he? No, he actually had he actually had a need where somebody uh, had left mm -hmm. uh, and circumstance was that there was an opening. So I drove down to Portland, found this place, not in a really great neighborhood, but mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like, OK, I'm here. I don't know anything about I had previously been in Portland. I knew I was going to live there one day. And I thought, well, here I am. I'm living here. And so there I there I was living in Portland. Then I then the uh, office manager, the the shop manager said, hey, you, you can stay in my garage till you find a place. And because I had spent all my money on moving multiple times, it's like, yeah, you know, I had I had to get a paycheck before I could find a place to live. And, and so it was like, OK, uh, you know, I'm not you know, I'm in late 20s or you know, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm just going down there and, and then I got a job. I started working and uh, I was a musician. I, I moved up to the Northwest to, you know, cause the grunge scene was happening. I figured, well, I'll just get in the band. I'll start playing again. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I was a drummer. And so I was out working and then all of a sudden I was on a sign and, you know, because of a couple of, you know, curled paper down and you couldn't see the, where I was over the ladder and I was pulling the ladder down, trying to get it over the top of the sign to hang off of. And, uh, and I just came off and I flew off the sign. There's a kid across the street that um, uh, happened to watch it. He says, mom, that guy just jumped off the sign. <laughs> and so they found me and called the ambulance and uh, I uh, shattered my arm and my wrist and my knee and, you know, my fingers and, so I was in rehab and reconstruction for two years. And, and so through that process, you know, it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to find a band right now. <laughs> I'm not going to. They I'm don't not much drumming you. in that condition. You mean not, <laughs> not much drumming in this condition. I was in ICU for a couple of months and uh, yeah. Do you even it, remember, do you remember falling or any of the. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember I was, I was still conscious when I landed. Oh, how painful was hold, this? Experience? I grabbed a hold of a ladder on, I broke eight rungs of an aluminum ladder with my arm. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. So, I, and what happened is I had uh, 
you know, multiple surgeries, over 30 surgeries to reconstruct my arm. And, Do you remember uh, it being painful? And when it happened, or was it like too painful where it was like shock kind of thing? I went into shock. Um, and what I had done is I'd stretched my nerves. So I didn't have any feeling. So in my arm, so it was broken. I could mm-hmm. see that it was broken. It's like, Ooh, this is bad. <laughs> I looked at this finger, my uh, index finger on my left hand. And it had, I, it was just hanging by a piece of skin. And uh, so it was just like, Oh, that's not good. <laughs> and it was extremely painful because <laughs> nerve endings poking out. And uh, so yeah, they scooped me up, took me to the ER. And uh, how long had have you a, been working when that happened? Or how long were you on the job prior to the fall? Uh, probably a couple of months. Okay. So you're like, uh, I'm going to spend two weeks getting this job. I'm going to go every day, beg this guy for a job. And then it ends up being what injures you, puts you out of commission for a couple of years. It sounds like yeah, with all the yeah. surgeries and everything. Yeah. I imagine you wouldn't go back and change anything related to that. You wouldn't well, undo they, it butterfly effect style. Cause you don't yeah. know what it would do, right? You'd still fall off the thing. If you can go back in time, you'd still fall. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I don't have, uh, I mean, I have instances where I thought, yeah, I could probably, I'm sure that I could do it differently. However, it's exactly who I became as a result of this. Mm-hmm. You know, I have gratitude for, you know, that whole experience because I had two boys, uh, you know, I, we had kids and where we didn't have kids before. And uh, I came back and went work to work for the same company. I became their safety director, uh, wrote fall protection programs, saved other lives in the, in the meantime. Uh, it was like when they hire a hacker to do the secure, you know, yeah, make sure they exactly. secure, like hire the guy who fell off. Yeah. So gonna- the failure turned into my fortunate. <laughs> yeah. And and so then I became the IT director and I worked my way up the ladder and, and I was director of communications in the whole um, at the corporate level when uh, they were purchased by Clear Channel. So which most is most people would have just said, OK, there's no job. See you never. Yeah. But you were like, oh, there's something about this specific place, I guess. Or did you, was this your move? Did you do this at a lot of the other ones where you persistently showed up? Or was I was persistent. No, I, I persistently showed up and uh, I mean, was this I the first really job you did that for me. or no? Like it was this a move of yours to just keep showing up or was this the first time you did that move? That was that was that was the second time I did that once in Utah and I worked for an outdoor company in Utah as well. Oh, so it worked and, it's a 100 percent success of, rate. Yeah. Out of six out of 600 applications, I, I was the one that kept showing up and got the job. So. Something to be said yeah. for, for persistence then, huh? Absolutely. And and that's the same trend in, you know, showing up for live streaming, podcasting, mm-hmm. asking, you know, introductions. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, a lot of this salespeople or sales trainers will tell you, it's not the first, you know, you don't go in and ask for the sale mm-hmm. the first time. You, you build a relationship, you build some rapport. You get people to know that you're going to show up and, and you're going to ask the questions and you're going to find out what they need and how you can add value. And the way you show up and the way that you consistently show up is is what helps you get through and get past all the objections and all the resistance. Yeah. yeah but it can be hard, though, for a lot of people, especially when 
I mean, if you hear that it takes whatever, 17 interactions, or I have no idea what the number is anymore, uh, to get a sale or something. Uh, it's probably 50. Some people go, <laughs> some people are like, okay, so I got to ask them for a sale 50 times. It's like, no, you idiot. Uh, you got to make a relationship with them. That has nothing to do with that. And yeah. then eventually you'll get there. But, uh, you know, the people who are kind of dissuaded by that, or at least don't jive with it are probably the kinds who won't survive in that kind of atmosphere but also i just show i like showing up for no reason at all and then eventually being like oh yeah i have a thing i can like i almost forget i have like amnesia that i do anything else because i'm just like trying to figure out how i can connect them with somebody else or help them in some other way uh-huh. and then when they happen to have whatever the thing is that i can help them with i'm like oh this is awesome i got the right i know the right thing this time you know versus uh I know somebody else, but I like the, I like knowing people who can help someone in any kind of situation. You know, the, I know a guy kind of thing that you were alluding yeah. to earlier. It's nice to be able to say, Hey, well, to help someone else get business and also to help someone else with their problem. And you know, everyone likes you because why wouldn't they? Almost all of my business right now, all the revenue that comes in, in the door right now is because of the relationships I've built. And to me, that speaks volumes of just, helping more people help more people yeah and i resisted linkedin for so long i've been on it for like 15 years and i just six months ago maybe started actually trying Mm -hmm. to use it more than like a resume holder or whatever because i was like fine fine (laughs) you know i'll do it it seems so boring uh but it was it was really honestly the linkedin audio thing which just now went to everybody yeah uh, like yesterday uh I was on Clubhouse with a bunch and then they started doing it on LinkedIn. I'm like, fine, fine. That's, that'll be my intro to how I care about it a bit more. Cause I didn't want to go and do a live video yet, which I'm going to get more into hopefully soon. But, yeah. um, you know, I went kicking and screaming cause it seems like such a boring place. And usually it's like people associated with someone spamming you about whatever real estate or something like that. And you're like, but there's so much more that people don't realize it's actually super powerful. Myself yeah. included it for a long time. Um, way of networking and especially with the pandemic and everything. And I've, I've done a lot of in-person networking, shifting it to online was preferable than going to a bunch of different lunches and places, driving around and finding parking and, you know, listening yeah. to the same pitch, you know, I'm sure you've been to plenty of those kind of things uh, over the years. And would, would you agree that it's better virtually where you can choose a bit more intentionally, like what, where you're putting your time in and what it's going to result in? I absolutely 100% agree with that because two reasons. Number one, uh, and I've grown networks. I've grown, you know, I used to teach tech. I used to have meetings weekly Mm -hmm. when I was in Houston. And the reality is, is that, you know, you have to go there. You have to drive there. You have to, you know, typically pay for lunch or, you know, when you're out and about, you, you know, you have to, there's, there's cost of time and expenses. Mm-hmm. And not only that is some of the best connections I've made are not in my neighborhood. They're not in my city and, you know, meeting people all over the world and building friendships and in community all over the world to me is incredibly powerful. Even if it's not your core business, mm-hmm. what it does is just like, you know, live streaming and podcasting we were talking about, it expands what we think about how we think about what we're doing and how we start showing up and delivering value. And I, and I think that that new perspective, that fresh perspective is, 
is the upside. And the downside is, is, you know, a lot of Zoom fatigue. You know, people, you know, they've mm -hmm. been on so many Zoom meetings the last two years that they're ready to go out and get a cup of coffee and, you know, buy a sandwich or something just to meet somebody in person and get outside of the house. Yeah, that's so a good chair. There's that a balance. Yeah. They'll get a butthole into. Uh, that's the worst way to phrase it. But, uh, you know, I, I actually like it quite a bit, but I was the opposite version of fatigue like you know the the in-person networking fatigue where you know, yeah. i have like a giant whatever bin of business cards that i've i've probably duplicates of a bunch of people but also like i i can't go through all of it because it's just and there's probably great relationships in there but at least yeah. with like the virtual stuff it's already you're already connected and you don't have to deal with a lot of the admin and all that other stuff and uh obviously when as technology improves we can improve some of that stuff but um is there anything about historic, because I know we're running a little bit late on time, and I got a couple of questions that are more forward-looking or present-looking. Is there anything about your historical past or just the subject of failure that you want to touch on before we get into a couple questions that are more uh, present, future-based? Absolutely. Um, you know, I've I've started many businesses, I've started many projects, I've failed at so many things uh, that are not life-threatening. They 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 may not have ended well mm -hmm. and they may have cost me a lot of money, a lot of time and energy. However, the thing that I always reflect on and, and consider is I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be who I am without those experiences. And it's not good or bad. It's just, that was an experience. Uh, it didn't exactly end up the way I expected it to. And uh, you know, a lot of it, you know, could be considered under the failure category. However, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew how I wanted to help. I knew, I know now what I am, I am focused on doing and, and how I help others in the world uh, as a result of those experiences. And I have a ton of experience and I could probably, you know, I was thinking about this earlier this morning, Ben is, is, you know, starting a conversation and adding value in LinkedIn, you could put out messages that I could probably share a couple of tips that everybody could use that could actually allow them to make more connections and start more conversations uh, easily. Um, you know, I could share that stuff every day in shorts or mm -hmm. you know, some format, short form, short yeah, no, that form format. Super useful. And what you, what you were saying reminds me of, I did a post about it at one point. Uh, Kintsugi, I believe this was called. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's a Japanese hmm. um, art form where they take um, like a broken ceramic bowl and then put it back together and then put some sort of gold or something in it to like make yep. the cracks hmm. almost highlighted. And it's it's a philosophy of like, not only do we uh, celebrate the, the mistakes and the failures, but we highlight them even in yeah. this way of like, saying here's all my brokenness but look at what i am you know when you put it all together and i think that's kind of the same vibe of what you were saying just a second ago about how you know you you build and rebuild your own personal identity and whatnot as you suffer through those mistakes and failures and things like that so i think it's super important to be open to i mean you're not trying to fail you're not trying to hurt anybody for sure while you're failing but you know be aware that it's definitely a part of the game and you might as well get used to it and try to at least, you know, derive whatever you can in terms of lessons from it, because 
I, I tried to say the only real failure is when you don't learn from your mistakes. That's like a real true form of it. Or if you give up on something that you shouldn't have too early or something like that, but you know, mostly regret related things or just uh failure for no reason kind of things. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you paid a high cost, you might as well learn the lesson that comes along with that cost. <laughs> um, so being a guest on the show, you get a get out of fail free card. So Excellent. I'm going to hand this to you through the internet. Awesome. It. Okay. <laughs> and then you immediately have to use it. Unfortunately, you don't get to keep that long. So a get out of fail free card you can use only now moving forward. Can't erase the past or anything. But is there a hobby, a career, a passion that you would pursue if it wasn't for the amount of failure involved? Uh, I tend to use stand-up comedy as my own thing because you've got to go bomb on stage and whatnot. Would there be something you'd use to get out of fail-free card to pursue something that you've maybe avoided because of the amount of failure that, that would come along with it? Um. <clears throat> Absolutely. I would, I would, uh, in fact, I experimented with it last year and uh, it's creating music again. You know, it's getting back into the music career. So I think I look at it as a bookend to my life. You know, I started mm -hmm. out with music, my first love, I, I lived life and, and now uh, I'm working on my other bookend where I'm going to continue to pursue music on my way out. And, and so that's my get out of free. And it just takes a lot of time and abundance of patience and uh, determination to get there. So um, that's, that's where I'm going with my get out of cart. Is it get out of fail free card? Is it, yeah. is it drumming or is it, are you going down a different path this time? Uh, it's electronic music. Perfect. Uh, I, yeah. I just cleaned it up, but I had a bunch of electronic stuff because I want to start making lo-fi beats or something like that uh i have sweatpantsmusic.com awesome dj unqualified i have tunefarmer.com tune so <laughs> oh yeah i remember I, on the linkedin live you mentioned that but it was only for a half second and i was like i wonder what that is so what is yeah. tune farmer just real quick so I well last year i did an uh, experiment mm -hmm. where i created uh like 120 uh tracks at one every day for, for 90 days, but I, some days yeah. I created more than one track. Mm -hmm. And then I just put it up on the website and it was just on my iPad. I was, I wanted to uh, improve my skills on how to create and produce audio on my iPad. Is that GarageBand or something like that? Or No, it, there's a number of different apps that I used. A, AUM is one mm -hmm. uh, and um, Launchpad is another. There's, I gotcha. got I got all kinds of music and I, I have uh, Ableton and I've, yeah, I used so I'm do, trying to get used to now. It's a I used bit. to do pro tools and I, I've done a lot of different platforms in the past. I got reason and uh, you know, a lot of tools. I used to edit commercials for radio as well. So. Well, that but, sounds cool. I I'm, I'm in the same boat of wanting to do it, but I don't really. So did you teach yourself how to play music? Yeah, I, uh, well, as a drummer, yeah, I, and as a musician, I, I'm not formally trained, so yeah. yeah I, same I'm, here. So I mean, I've always felt like a fraud because I don't know the music theory stuff. I don't know if you feel the same way when it comes no. to writing stuff. No, no, I, I feel more like uh, it's my creativity, so it's it's only up to me to decide what I'm. It's like, hey, you don't like it? That's okay. It's, yeah. You don't have to listen to it. <laughs> Change the channel. It's like okay. Uh, 
And then the last thing before we get to where people can find you and how they can connect with you, I, I, uh, I'm not a big fan of the fake it till you make it motto. So I, yeah. I use fail it till you nail it. And so is there something that you're that. going to, <laughs> thank you. Is there something that you're going to do that you haven't done or something in your business, personal life or anything that you're approaching with the idea that you have no idea what you're doing and you're going to uh, get better through either messing it up or just, uh, you know, uh, approaching the unknown. Yeah, with the pirate syndicate, uh, and I wouldn't say that I haven't done it. It's just that, um, you know, the um, imposter syndrome of building a company that can help more people help more people. Mm -hmm. It's uh, I have a lot of distractions uh, that I allow into my life. Mm -hmm. So uh, the thing that I have to focus in on is what is getting done? What are the next steps? What are the, the pieces of the puzzle that I need to spend time and effort on? So it's just going through that process day by day. And I'm getting ready to release a, a, a mini course on mm -hmm. how to live stream and podcast and this content creation process. Um, and that's, that's going to be leading into the membership of the Pirate Syndicate, where I'm going to be teaching classes and inviting other people into the to the group to share knowledge and wisdom that they've learned along the way to teach more people. Uh, and, and so just putting it all together just and taking the time mm -hmm. sometimes feels selfish because it's, it's not a re revenue generating thing yet. So, you know, you, it's, it's like, okay, I have to do my regular things that uh, generate revenue. And mm -hmm. then on top of that, I have to do something else in order to get past this hurdle. So it's, it's one of those things you just have to put some extra effort into in it. Um, yeah. I struggle you know, with the prioritization and, and making sure I'm on task with certain things versus yeah. just, you know, cause there's so many things you can do. It's like a choose your own adventure and there's so many pages yeah. you can go to. It's not just two, it's like a million. So, no. you know, saying no to things is sometimes the, the harder thing. Yeah. Uh, so where can people go to either find out uh, more about the pirate syndicate or any of the stuff that you're doing these days. What's the best way to connect with you or any links that you'd uh, want to throw out there? Uh, the best, the best way, if, if just reach out and book a call at bookrust.com. Uh, you can go to rustjohns.com and connect with me. Um, I also have, uh, um, you know, I'm on the pirate syndicate. I'm on LinkedIn all over social media. You can type in Russ Johns mm -hmm. and I'll probably, I'll probably come up. Um, How many and, domains do you own? <laughs> I probably own 50 domains. <laughs> nice. I think I'm somewhere to somewhere in the 50 to 70 range. Yeah. I, I try to keep it around. I don't go too much, but I buy more. I just let them fall off the, the, the worst kind of just <laughs> dribble away and then new things get my attention, but it's, it's like a, a weird addiction. I feel like, um, professional always, squirrel hunting. <laughs> yeah. Squirrel? I, felt, I, I felt like, all the internet real estate would have been bought up by now. It's amazing to me that like dot com still exist of whatever stupid phrase I come up with. Yeah. Uh, I just would have thought, I don't know, some automated thing would be buying everything or whatever. But so I'm like just continually impressed. I think the problem is that no one has good ideas or websites to make to fill up that real estate. They're all like street addresses. If no one's building houses, then you don't need this address yeah. you know and that's probably what the main thing is there's not enough people creating worthwhile ideas to i mean me and you are hoarding all these uh, ourselves and not <laughs> using half of them probably uh yeah. so 
I think that's probably what it is because I keep going, why is everything still available? But yeah, only so many things that can become good ideas or people who even want to make websites. I think, I think ideas are endless in combinations of, you know, just like you and I, you know, I let domains drop off and they go back into circulation. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's probably people out there that are doing the same thing. So I just have a dumb idea and then I'm like, oh, it's available, but just buy it, solidify it, put a pin in it. And I know that's like a, it's going to remind me. I'm getting really close though, to building a system to where I can actually get the domain, build a lightweight site, build a course, connect it to a, a you know, payment center mm-hmm. and uh, create some content in the course and then build a funnel for that, that actually allows people to just purchase something simple. And I figure, Hey, if, uh, Liz Wilcox, she's an email um, mm-hmm. trainer. She has, her membership is $9 a month and she's, you know, she's doing very well with that. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm thinking that's not a bad idea. I could, you know, create several courses, charge nine bucks a month, put them on a domain and create yeah. content around that, build a live stream around that interview people in that content, drop it on there and uh, build that flywheel of content and just start letting it go. Yeah. I've been doing the same thing. I usually park a logo on something, but I've been trying to get better because it used to be, it used to be like really difficult to buy a domain and have anything be there in any speed, you know, yeah. now yeah. at least I'm thinking, I think we both probably gotten to the point where we can put something up quickly, whether or not it's useful, that's debatable, but I at least throw up a, a logo. Usually now I could get to the point where I can do stuff that you're saying, but it's more like, what would I put up there? I know, I know I've got a thing where I can put like up to a hundred domains hooked up to it you know, website stuff. Yeah. yeah. But then it's about time. It's like, how much time do we're going to yeah. put towards? How much time stuff? do I want to invest in this idea? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you sharing uh, some of your failures, also just sharing some of your stories. I'm sure yeah. at some point I'll have to have you back on the show so we can actually go deeper into the failure stuff. <laughs> and let's do a LinkedIn live sometime because I don't do them. And I just bought another thing that can do a live thing. And right. man, it can stream to unlimited sources, which I don't believe, but I'm not even going to be able to test <laughs> that out, but I'm excited to, to try. And I know I haven't done enough, so um, I'm excited. Always to, happy to help Ben. Yeah. And I appreciate you coming on and um, I'm sure all the listeners will benefit from everything you've got going on and I'll make sure to put everything in the show notes and uh, yeah, we are all good. That's Thank give you us so a little much. Russism on the way out. Cause that was one of my worst endings ever. So go ahead. Okay, so thank you so much for showing up today. Ben is an awesome rock star that you need to connect with because kindness is cool, smiles are free, and have a fantastic Friday and a wonderful weekend. And you, enjoy the day. Hope life is beautiful. Take it easy. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over five hours of in-depth video lessons, plus it comes along with my master workbook, which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team 
how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.